It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the player prop expert, fantasy football expert, got Chris Delt in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. Money Picks Pod NFL Week Number 2. Myself, Chris, going to go ahead. We're going to go through the entire Sunday card. We're going to go ahead and exclude Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. If you guys are looking for information on that, make sure you guys follow us at thebettingpredators.com. Follow both of our Twitter accounts. Chris, last week, um, gave out a lot of props. It was interesting. I mean, you really don't know, you know, who's going to play. I mean, we, we do our best to try to drill down you know, on what these teams are going to do. So now we have a full week of data. I think that you and I are both probably feel a lot more comfortable going into week two. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit about week one, you know, the results that you had, uh, maybe some high points, low points, things that you felt are necessary to go ahead and talk about quickly before we go in and get into the podcast. What do you got? Yeah, I was happy. I was happy about week one. Uh, you know, I, I'm always uh, disappointed if I don't hit 100 percent of my bets, which is um, I guess I'm always going to be disappointed the rest of my life if that's the case. But uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I gave out 41 props in our premium channel. And you might say that's a lot of props. But yes, it is. And I hit 56 percent was 23 and 18 overall in those props. Uh, a lot of them I split up into half unit plays. And uh, overall, actually, we were up really big. Uh, so that was a, that was a good uh, that was a good solid win. But we actually really hit big on our touchdown props. And if you know me, I'm not one that talks about touchdown props a lot. But when we went through the board last week, I, I just was surprised by some of the value we found on the board. Stuff we gave out here on the podcast. Stuff we gave out in our Discord. I had multiple people mention they got down and tailed with us too. Uh, Justice Hill scored two touchdowns. We had him at fifteen to one. Uh, gave out Roshan Johnson to score a touchdown. That was plus 800. Sam Howell scored a touchdown on the ground. That was another plus 430. So I was uh, had a whole entire touchdown prop card that we gave out in our in our Discord, which you can hop in by checking out the link on our website. So 56% hit a bunch of touchdowns. I'm a happy camper, but I, I actually think there's a lot of room for improvement, and, I, and I'm definitely ready to attack the Week 2 board. There's a lot that I like already. All right. Well, you know, touchdown props, that's one of my specialties. I love those. But I can tell you one thing is that, you know, week one of the new season, when everybody's coming in to bet, they're going to go ahead and make those prices a lot more uh, interesting to the betters. But I can guarantee you that the prices for touchdown props are going to slowly, um, they're going to get chopped down a little bit. You know, the books are going to end up having more of a hold on those. So if you want to bet them, I would say try to bet them as early as you possibly can, because Books are going to go ahead and hurt you with some of the pricing with that. Let's go and let's jump into uh, Kansas City. They're going to be on the road here at Jacksonville. What we're going to do is we're going to go down the list here at the DraftKings Sportsbook online. Current line in this one right now, Kansas City, minus three and a half. We have a total of 51 and a half. Chris, I'll go let you rip and run first. What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking to, to me what's the obvious, and it's that Calvin Ridley, I'm looking to him over, and I'm looking to Christian Kirk possibly under. Uh, we saw last week in the Jaguars' offensive scheme, they played a lot of two tight end sets, which is something that actually showed us in preseason usage as well. And Christian Kirk only played about 60% of the snaps because as the slot receiver, he's not finding himself on the field when they run 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field and only two receivers. In those personnel groupings, you have Calvin Ridley on one side, you have Zay Jones on the other side. And I truly think this season that we're going to see Zay Jones outscore 
and out-target Christian Kirk and outproduce him on all levels of the, uh, of the box score and in the stat categories here. So, uh, you know, I, I think Calvin Ridley over 67 and a half. We're talking about a game with a 50-plus point total. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley showed that in week one, like he's back to pure form. And Trevor Lawrence was looking for him early and often. And, and that was a game that they – you know, they were ahead for most of the second half, so they didn't necessarily have to put their foot on the gas pedal, so to speak. But 11 targets, 101 receiving yards. You know, there's not much about this uh, Chiefs secondary that really scares me all too much. So I expect Calvin Ridley to get a lot of volume in this game. Uh, personally, we're not seeing any receptions props right now for the Jaguars or the Chiefs. But I, I definitely do strong lean for me over the 67 and a half for Ridley. I've got him projected right now in the high 70s and and you know usually when i see a 10 yard uh, difference in my projections i don't just rush to bet the over but it definitely is on my list to make my final card and with christian kirk again if he's not playing all that much like i i definitely will consider him as well the under 37 and a half receiving yards even the catches that he does get or the targets he does get they're going to be shallow short to intermediate uh targets at, at best in this offense so those are the two areas I'm looking. I think those two things are very sticky in terms of Kirk being a part-time player this year and Calvin Ridley being the alpha receiver on that team. Yeah, you know, one thing with Christian Kirk, I was just thinking, I mean, we were talking in the preseason, we were talking last week about Ridley, and, you know, I was firmly on an island that Ridley was going to return back, you know, the top one of the wide receivers here in the league. But, I mean, when you look at Kirk, like when you bring a guy in like that, like somebody has to get squeezed out. I thought it was going to be Zay Jones last week. It was not the case. Clearly, it was Christian Kirk. I'm, I'll play him under his 37 and a half receiving yards. I see no reason in that. There's just not a whole lot of room when you have, you know, Ridley out there commanding all those targets. And I don't think that's going to stop, Chris. Like it doesn't stop for a guy like Hopkins. It's not going to stop for a guy like Jefferson. Those guys are going to get their targets. And I think Ridley um, has made his mark on this team. And why, why the hell would you go away from him? So I think there's nothing wrong with fading probably Zay Jones or Kirk, but I think that right now Kirk is probably the guy you want to go ahead and, and, and look to fade. Have you come up with anything at all, Chris, with the Kansas City wide receiver core? Like, do you know who the number one wide receiver is going to be? I'm guessing Kelsey will probably be back, but I watched that game last week. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball to 12 different guys, and I think it was like seven different wide receivers. I mean, Sky Moore had like a couple looks. Tony had a couple looks. Any idea? No, because not even the Chiefs know. And I, I think there was about like five or six people just in Discord that DM me or asked me about it in the comments about, oh, is it going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be uh, Noah Gray? And I told him it's going to be neither of those guys. I told him it would be split uh, right down the middle in terms of seven different eight guys. And that's exactly what we saw. And, and Noah Gray is no special talent in this league. Uh, neither is Sky Moore. And, and they're solid role players. But, you know, you need special talents that can step up and truly absorb the, the amount of uh, target attention that a guy like Travis Kelsey demands in this offense. So, of course, it was going to be, uh, be split up. Uh, as Isaiah Pacheco struggled a lot during the preseason with injuries. So I, I think that he his role – Still has a lot of room to grow. I expect him to outsnap Clyde Edwards Hilaire by much more in week two and beyond. So I do think there's some uh, decent value on Pacheco uh, in the rushing department and as well as in the receiving game. If he's the guy that's playing above McKinnon in a receiving game, I think Pacheco could be a very good buy low candidate in fantasy for trades. And I actually think the one guy you want to add in fantasy on this team is Rasheed Rice. We saw multiple end zone targets. 
red zone targets for Rasheed Rice. He caught a touchdown. He didn't play that much, but he he was tied for the team lead in targets with five out of that large wide receiver group, and he only ran about 18 routes overall. So I'm bullish on the rookie. You know, unlike Skymore last year, Rasheed Rice has the as the typical uh, size uh, that you want for an, an outside receiver that can earn targets at a high level, where Sky Moore is like a really tiny undersized receiver that played at a small college. So if I got to be bullish on anybody, it's a total crapshoot, but it's got to be Rasheed Rice for me right now. Yeah, I'm not against that. I mean, you saw the guy who was making plays. I mean, one of the reasons Kansas City was in that game was because of that guy. So we'll see. We'll see how that all shakes out when Kelsey comes back. You know, if they start to narrow down, you know, what their wide receiver core is going to look like. But right now, at least for me, it's a little bit iffy, and I would be careful playing any of those guys um, over. I think that probably Chris may be going and picking out two or three of those guys under, um, yeah. taking a stab at it, and maybe exclude Rice, like leave Rice alone. Maybe you take like a Watson under, Tony under, those a Scantling, those guys. Is that something you might target? I, if the yeah, depending on what the lines are, you know, I'm uh, with Kelsey being injured. I'm sure they're going to post Kelsey lines sometime in the next 24 hours or so because it's looking like he's going to play. But uh, yeah, I, I would look at that. Richie James. I mean, we hit about four unders on him on the first Thursday night game. I doubt if they even post lines for him. But yeah, I think anyone that we do see posted is definitely worth considering for an under. Uh, just depending on. I'll probably just look for the highest lines and try to get them under at the end of the day. I think Watson will lose a lot of snaps compared to week one. I think Sky Moore will lose snaps. I think Kadarius Toney will lose snaps. Rasheed Rice should gain a few snaps at least. I think really the only certainty is that Marcus Valdez-Scanlin is pretty much going to be out there almost the whole game just running wind sprints down the field. So it's, it's hit or miss with him. But, yeah, that's the only way I could look in this game. All right, let's go. Let's move on to our next game here. We have the Raiders at the Bills. Bill's going to be minus eight and a half. We have a total of 46 and a half. Chris, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to go with the same prop that I'm going with here. I'm going to play and play Gabe Davis over two and a half catches minus 120. Gabe Davis last week, only four targets, two catches, 32 yards. I don't see any reason why he can't catch three balls in this game. I think that, you know, Josh Allen last week, I'm not going to say he was terribly inaccurate. Completion percentage was rather high. But it was 13 targets to Diggs, and it was just it, it felt like it was just spread out a whole lot. Now you're playing the Jets, and the Jets defense is a pretty sticky defense, but now you're gonna end up playing the Raiders. If you watch what Russell Wilson did against the Raiders last week, I mean it was Russell Wilson really with a wide receiver quarter that was extremely limited, and Russell Wilson actually looked pretty good, especially on third down. So I think if Russell Wilson go ahead and have that type of game, Josh Allen off the type of game that he had, three interceptions last week, five sacks, Allen's going to bounce back. And I think that he really looks to go ahead and bounce back with his two most relied upon targets, Diggs and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, I feel like this should be three and a half, Chris, not two and a half. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a cheaper price here with Gabe Davis. I don't know what his snap share last week was, but my guess is that he's going to be on the field a lot here. Um, so I'll go ahead. I'll play that. The two and a half seems, I don't want to say it seems square. Maybe it's just, um, I don't know, maybe it's just a, a weird type of line, but Gabe Davis over two and a half catches for me. I like it. I, I don't mind that play. He's a full-time player uh, in this offense, but uh, for me, I, I want to look at the possible, do you see, a, I'm going to ask you sleepy because I, I feel like I'm looking at a diff, different board because I, I'm actually recording here from Ohio tonight and you're in Pennsylvania. Do you, see a reception line for James Cook or any touchdown props? Because I'm not seeing any – I'm not even seeing any reception props for this game on DraftKings right now. There are no reception props right now on DraftKings. The Gabe okay. Davis over two and a half catches minus 120. I found that on Bet Online. 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I want to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's. I would look to James Cook actually because we saw uh, Javante Williams get fed a ton of targets in the receiving game for Denver in the Week One matchup against the Raiders. We also saw in his first game as the Bills starter, James Cook was second on the team in targets, only behind Stephon Diggs in receiving. And we know he's a pass first, uh, catch first type of running back. So I, I think that you know Josh Allen he struggled a little bit with uh, with the turnovers, interceptions. Something tells me he's going to go to his bread and butter, his layup targets, which means probably more targets for the tight ends, more short targets to Stephon Diggs, more targets to uh, James Cook uh, to limit the turnovers there. So I I would look to play – I don't know what the line's going to be for Cook. You know, when you get that low, like a a one-and-a-half or two-and-a-half, I would definitely look to bet over one-and-a-half receptions for James Cook. His receiving yards line is 12-and-a-half. And I don't mind that either. That would probably be the first place I'd look in this game. The Raiders offense, not seeing many uh, props available right now because it looks like Jacoby Myers is going to miss time with a head injury. I don't think it's been officially confirmed yet, but but you're talking about like a guy like Christian Wilkerson stepping in to take his role. Uh, Maybe Hunter Renfro winds up getting some playing time. He he didn't didn't get a target in week one. So uh, totally up in the air for this game. But I I do like the receiving role I saw out of James Cook in week one, and we'll definitely look to capitalize that here again uh, in, in a nice matchup for week two. You know what I think maybe some of the issue was for Buffalo, and this was probably for many of the other teams there, Chris, is that, you know, the preseason shortened down. And if you saw some of the games last week, even some of the best quarterbacks, Josh Allen's a perfect example. Some of those guys looked rusty. Your guy, Joe Burrow, looked rusty. I get it. He's coming off an injury. But there were a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of teams out there last week that just looked extremely sluggish. So I think week one was kind of like one of their dress rehearsal type games where, you know, yeah, they stuck out a couple extra guys out there on the field. Like Kansas City didn't have much of a choice. But, you know, when they're throwing the ball to 12 different guys, you're not going to typically see that throughout the season. And I think we saw that with a bunch of teams, and I think this Bills team might have been one. So, like you said, going back to their bread and butter, that's one of the reasons why I like the Gabe Davis is because I think they're going to start to slim down, you know, the amount of targets that they give some of these other guys. That's just my own personal opinion. But last week, I mean, there was some ugly football out there. Um, I think we're going to see this every year. Yeah, it's preseason's kind of trimmed down the way that it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good point that you make, and I think a lot of it's fluky. I mean, we, some of the offenses that we were highest on, I think for good reason. Uh, you know, you you got to expect them to turn around pretty sooner rather than later. I mean, the Giants, the Seahawks, the Bengals, those are three really good offenses last year uh, in terms of efficiency that just looked terrible in Week One. Uh, you know, one of the places I want to look sleepy talking about James Cook, another guy who had a really good uh, Week One in his first ever career game as a full-time starter, really, was Dalton Kincaid, the rookie tight end out of Utah. Now, he also struggled with injuries after the draft leading up to the preseason, but we saw him uh, get four catches in his first career game. And if you look at what the Broncos did against the Raiders in week one, I think their tight ends combined for about nine targets and seven catches overall, just between Adam Troutman and Greg Dulcich. So even though Knox and and Kincaid's numbers were very similar in week one, I think only as time goes on, we're going to see Kincaid get more and more involved. Like they're looking to make him the third receiver on the team. Forget about the letters TE next to his name. Like he's essentially playing a wide receiver role in this offense. So I think if you see a two and a half reception line on Kincaid, that's definitely somewhere I want to look over as well. Yeah, I went ahead. I kind of went the opposite with him last week. I decided to go and take Tyler Conklin head to head against him. And after watching him play, Chris, you're right. Looks more like a wide receiver, like a big wide receiver. That's tough, tough to go ahead and guard. I think he's going to be something half decent in this league for, you know, time to come. Let's go ahead and let's jump into our next game here. We got the Seahawks at the Lions. 
Lions minus five, total 47 and a half. Chris, this is an easy one for me. I'm going to go and play Geno Smith under 247 and a half passing yards. Smith didn't look all that great last week. His wide receiver core, I don't think it's completely healthy. I mean, you got Lockett's a little banged up. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a little bit banged up. But the big issue here for Seattle is the fact that both of their tackles, one is out, one might not even play this week. You can't have that. And they're going up against a Lions team that's going to be playing at home, that defensively right now, I think they believe in themselves. And I think Seattle looks to go ahead and do more running in this game to try to shorten this up. And I don't think Geno Smith's going to have like this big time passing day. So I think 247 and a half is just way too high. I think Geno Smith last week, I don't even think he was even anywhere near 200 yards. So I think it's just a little bit too high going up against a Detroit team. And I respect Detroit's secondary. Like their safeties are actually pretty good. I think Geno Smith, if he's throwing anything, it might be a bunch of underneath stuff or something like that. So I'll play him under Chris. That's the only play I like for that game so far. Oh, man, Sleepy, I'm just like a kid in a candy store right now. My guy, you know, if you listen to this podcast since last year, you know one of my favorite players in the league, DeAndre Swift, for for, uh, for your Eagles, just ripped off a 48-yard run here as we're recording during Thursday Night Football. 24 carries for 168 yards, and I just traded for him yesterday back in my Dynasty League. So sorry for the quick uh, segue there, but, man, I'm loving this DeAndre Swift uh, for the Eagles Thursday night, man. Uh yeah, but uh, going back to Seattle, man, like it, it's tough because I mean they gotta bounce back, right? Like I, it's at some level, uh, do they just try to run the ball and kind of get right the conservative way? Is the question? I think the line looks pretty right to me. I, I do agree, if anything, with you that it could be a little inflated here. Uh, I, I think that you're gonna look to see uh, Jameer Gibbs's role only expand in this offense. Sleepy, the coaches talked about it. And I think they're serious about it, too, because, you know, you spend that much significant draft capital and, and look at what uh, Kyron Williams was able to do undersized former sixth round pick in the draft for the Los Angeles Rams in week one. Really liked how Kyron Williams looked. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But Gibbs is on another planet talent wise compared to Kyron Williams. So against the Seahawks leaky defense right now, I definitely want to look to an over of playing Jameer Gibbs over 64 and a half combined rushing receiving yards. Uh, I think I, I hesitate to play just the receiving yards alone, but I do think that's also an attainable number. So I, I, do, I and I also think Dave Montgomery is a solid fantasy play moving forward, but Gibbs is the way more explosive player. I believe PFF credited him with the most broken tackles in week one, even though he only carried the ball about eight, eight times in that game, which is absolutely crazy. So I think Gibbs is going to, pop off for a big gain uh, in this game here. I would look to possibly play some all overs on longest rush, longest reception for Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I, I think that this is a game where Jameer Gibbs also finds the end zone too, even though the line isn't great at plus 110. I, I think if you play Montgomery and Gibbs both to score a touchdown, I'd, I'd be I, I'm very surprised, let's just put it that way, if they both didn't score. I think there's a very good chance week in and week out that both those guys score touchdowns uh, in almost every game because of how much of an emphasis Detroit puts on the running game and how efficient they are. So that's how I'm going to look to attack is attack this Seattle defense, uh, attack one of the most talented young players in the league whose role is only going to grow. That's where I'm going to look in this game. All right, let's go. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Chargers at the Titans. Titans are going to be plus three here at home, and we have a total of 45. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and play Derrick Henry over 15 and a half receiving yards. He had just two catches last week, but it netted him 56 yards. Now, Tajay Spears 
had four targets, one catch, but only one yard. But I don't think Spears is really my issue here. It's the Titans not having many options really outside of Hopkins and Akine. Burks only three targets last week. I think they try to get Henry a little bit more involved in the passing game. It's not like they haven't in the past. I mean, last year he was catching more and more catches out of the backfield. I think they try to utilize him here. 15 and a half receiving yards seems extremely low. Like even if the guy gets one, two catches, I, I feel like I have a pretty good shot. But I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up with like three, four, five catches in this game. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that. That's the only one I really like for that game as of right now. What are you looking at? It's it's a rough showing right now in Tennessee with the passing game there. I mean, they, they just look – Tannehill looks so bad. And the way you attack this Chargers defense is on the ground. Yes, I know Tua threw for about 1,000 yards against them last week, but this is not the Miami Dolphins. This is not Tyreek Hill. This is not uh, Mike McDaniel calling plays here. Uh, you know, I, I would actually only look to unders for Ryan Tannehill in this game. Uh, even though, you know, we saw what the Dolphins did shredding this Chargers secondary in week one. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't see any lines on Tannehill right now. I think it's because of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he he has not practiced yet this week. Now, from the from the looks and sounds of it, it doesn't seem like it's serious, but we know with a veteran like Hopkins, like, you know, he he's more prone to injury because he's an older veteran. He, he's got less tread on the tires than other receivers do at his at his age. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. I think if Hopkins plays and we get a little bit of a decent bump in Tannehill's uh, passing yards line, I would definitely look to play still Tannehill under because the Titans are at home. They want to come out and win this game uh, on the ground if they can and with their defense. So that's the only way you can look in my opinion. I, I, I agree to the fact of like Tajay Spears. Uh, he looked really good in week one and a lot. there's been a lot of chatter about uh, you know, if the Titans continue to struggle, could Tannehill be traded? Could Derrick Henry be traded? And, you know, Malik Willis is essentially the backup quarterback right now. There were some positive reports out of him from camp. I think that Tajay Spears is is live to score a touchdown in this game, Sleepy, at plus 425. You look at the first half snaps in the game, it was almost a 50-50 split between Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry. So no lines I'm seeing on Spears, but I I, I agree with you in the fact that uh, Tajay Spears at home, Titans running back, plus 425. you got to lay minus 175 for Henry to score a touchdown. Give me Spears to do that instead, and I'll lay a little bit of a pizza bet on that until some more of these lines come out. All right. Good stuff on that game. Let's go. Let's talk about your Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to be here at home, Chris, laying three and a half points to the Baltimore Ravens. We have a total of 46. I don't know if you'll be on board with this one. But I'm not going to take a look at the Bengals last week results and think that the same thing's going to happen this week. I can tell you that that's not going to happen. T. Higgins ended up with eight targets last week, zero catches. You cannot have that. I like him over his 60 and a half yards. I think the Bengals pretty much I, – I, I could see them. It's nothing but Chase and nothing but Higgins this entire week. Like I think that's where Burrow's going to go. It's going to go to his most relied upon targets. I think Higgins breaks out this week. Probably has a monster game. That's the way I feel about it. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Chase or Higgins, if both of them ended up going well over. Uh, I think Burrow will be okay. I think everybody kind of has to put everything in. in. The guy was out for how long? I mean, they were like, you're not going to be in training camp. You're not going to be in the preseason. They got him ready to play in week one. They're like, you know, we're going to need you in week one. It was kind of wet and damp and rainy. He was out there trying to test the calf. I'm not holding anything against Joe Burrow for last week. I think that He's going to be after Higgins this entire week. So 
I, I like Higgins over to 60 and a half receiving yards, Chris. Yeah, um, I, I can't fault you on that one. I mean, look at what C.J. Stroud did against the Ravens last week. I mean, he threw the ball 44 times, 240-plus yards, didn't get picked off at all, was 28 for 44 on the day. Uh, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, they each had double-digit targets in that game. They each uh, Robert Woods, I mean, one of the lowest ADOT guys in the league, way past his prime, uh, as much as I used to be a fan of his for fantasy, I mean, he had 57 yards himself, and you're telling me that T. Higgins can't get there, so I'm with you 100% on that. I, I feel like uh, Joe Burrow alt-touchdown passing props would be something I would t- possibly look at. I think maybe some type of a bet combining like a half-unit uh, split between Joe Burrow over one-and-a-half touchdowns at minus 175 and then play the all-line over two-and-a-half. I-, I think that the Bengals want to get right at home in this game and, and-, and show that his uh, – record-setting contract wasn't a fluke, so to speak, even though there's some people that probably are are talking some junk about him right now. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a bounce-back game here. Uh, I, I'm not saying the Bengals are going to win. I mean, they, they haven't matched up so great with the Ravens over the last couple of years. I think it'll be a hard-fought, competitive game. I, I want to look to Zay Flowers, even if Mark Andrews comes back in this game sleepy. It's looking like Andrews will play. Uh, and I think we might get some depressed lines on Zay Flowers because of it. I actually want to look to Zay Flowers over his receptions prop. I'm hoping to get a three and a half, uh, but no lines on him yet. I'm only seeing a line for Odell Beckham in terms of receiving yards uh, for the Ravens. But Zay Flowers was used as the number one target. He tripled the amount of targets that any other player in that offense had. And they were his his, his average depth of target, his A dot was like three yards. Like he was getting dink and dunk, like a Debo Samuel type of player where they want to just have him get yards after the catch. So I want to continue betting on that happening, even if he does give up a few targets to Andrews. I think you're going to see Zay Flowers getting five, six, seven plus catches every single game for the rest of the season. I like Zay Flowers. From what I saw last week, he's going to be another guy that's going to be in this league for a while. Uh, So we'll see how everything shakes out with that game. Hopefully your Bengals bounce back here, Chris. Let's go ahead and let's jump into my Green Bay Packers. They're going to be on the road here in Atlanta. Current line in this one, Atlanta minus one and a half, total 40 and a half. Green Bay actually started out as like a two-point favorite in this game. This line has moved quite a bit. A lot of the wise guys here like the Falcons. Chris, I'm going to make this one simple. I'm playing two TD props. I'm playing Algier, score TD. Robinson, score TD. You get Algier at plus 165. You get Robinson at plus 115. There's no way I lose money on this wager. I like that a lot, honestly. I I really like – I think Algier is one of the best trade candidates in fantasy where I think some people might think that they're selling high on him. I, I think it's going to be a committee all year. And, yes, Bijan will catch more passes, so in PPR he'll be more valuable, obviously. But I think you could start Algier every week for the rest of the season in fantasy football and be pretty happy about it. I, I like that a lot. And I got I to gotta ask you, before I get into anything with either of these teams, Sleepy, uh, because what I, what I wanted to do is I want to bet Desmond Ritter under his passing yards against this secondary here. And I think that correlates to your touchdown props. I want to ask you about the other side, though. Uh, are you buying Jordan Love or not? Because honestly, I, I was pretty damn impressed from Jordan Love in week one. Um, I have to see more. I, I can't. I can't really give you a good answer on that. I can give you an answer on Ritter. He's not going to have a big passing day. I can tell you that. Um, they're going to handle him with kid gloves. And I and I think that this is a week where you really want to target the running backs for the Falcons because the Green Bay Packers rushing defense isn't good. It wasn't good last year. It wasn't good last week. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ritter goes well under again. He doesn't sniff anywhere near probably 180 yards. That's why I like the running backs. As far as Jordan Love, I think the jury's still out for me there, Chris. Let me have like, you know, 
maybe another week or two. Let me get Watson in the lineup, see what he looks like, and see what they look like as a whole. It's not like he threw the game away last last week, right? I mean, they won the game good. He managed it. So give me another week or two. Let me just see what they look like with, you know, with all the guys on the field together, and, and then I could probably give you a better answer. Yeah, I mean, look, I think for fantasy, it's looking pretty promising for Love. Um, especially, well, Aaron Jones coming back would play a huge difference because he's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. And they've got a talented little core there with Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave. I, I was high on him coming into the year. I think he's going to be their best rookie tight end uh, in terms of rookie year. He's going to be right up there with Sam Laporta, right up there with Dalton Kincaid. I really like Luke Musgrave a lot. Uh, Watson coming back soon, that's only going to help. And Jordan Love can run a little bit. He had three, I believe he had about three carries for 22 yards. He's got a little mobility to him. And all this time, you know, kind of just sitting there studying under Aaron Rodgers, never getting that pressure until he's got about, what, five seasons under his belt as a backup. I'm pretty bullish. I actually dropped Sam Howell in one of my leagues, another kind of uh, late round guy that I like this year. And I picked up Jordan Love because I'm a little bit higher on the offense overall the offensive line in Green Bay than I am uh, in Washington. But for me, like, I agree with you 100% on the touchdown props. I think that's great value, especially with the plus 165 in Algier, plus money on Bijan's great too. And uh, I'm looking at the uh, odds jam odds board right now, and you can get uh, Desmond Ritter under 191 and a half. I'd, I'd probably play that down to about 185 if I could, which is widely available right now. All right, good stuff on that game. We'll see how everything shakes out, see how my Packers end up looking, see if they can go 2-0. Let's go and let's jump over to the Chicago Bears. They're going to be on the road here at Tampa Bay. Current line in this one, Tampa minus 2.5, total 41. Chris, I'm going to make this one simple. I'm playing DJ Moore over 42.5 receiving yards. If anybody was on social media, and I'm sure you were, Chris, you were looking around and you were seeing stuff about – uh, who was the one Chicago Bear that looked like he did not want to be there? And everybody was saying that it was Chase Claypool. Well, I went through, I watched the highlights, and Claypool looked like he didn't want to be there. So I think DJ Moore, the fact that he only ended up with two targets, two catches last week, that it's not like he came out, Chris, and said, like, I want the football. Like, he's a new guy, just got there. And I get it. Like, you're depending on a guy like Justin Fields. But if Justin Fields is going to throw the ball, why not throw it to the guy that you brought in there to be your number one wide receiver? So I think Moore gets more targets in this game than – I'm not going to say it's going to be the game in which he receives the most targets throughout the entire year, but don't be shocked if he gets seven, eight, nine targets in this game and they just feed this guy just to see if he can go ahead and, and really help this team out because clearly Chicago, they need something else to happen outside of what happened last week. So I like Moore over the 42.5. I think if you're going to buy it, you buy it now. There's probably a lot of people that are sour that drafted him that bet him over last week, that's exactly what I want. I want to hear people that are sour on DJ Moore right now because when they are, that's when you're supposed to buy, when his stock is as low as it could possibly be. Right now it's low. I'll play him over. That's where I'm at for that game. Yeah, uh, you you got some some brass balls on you for that one, man. I I don't know if I can go there, just how bad they look. But, I mean, a number one receiver with a line of 42-and-a-half uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely, I could only look over in that situation. I would even maybe even consider the same thing for a Darnell Mooney because, you know, he's got the rapport and the chemistry with Justin Fields and he was pretty involved in week one. So I was impressed with the usage from Darnell Mooney. I think both those guys could get over that total easily. We saw the Vikings throw it all over the Buccaneers who tend to be more of a pass funnel type of secondary uh, you know? So I, I think that, I think that overall for me, when I look at Chicago, they, they've got to come out, They've got to play better. 
Uh, they were just absolutely terrible, even though the, the final score doesn't it doesn't really indicate how bad they really were in that game. I mean, I, I think even to uh, more of an extent that you could look at Justin Fields to bounce back and go over the 174 and a half in the passing yards. Now, look, I'm not just going to overload my plate and only bet overs. Like I, I hit 67% of the unders I bet last week, and it's something that I've really tried to emphasize in my prop betting week to week is to target a lot of unders. Those things take a little more digging, but as we're kind of going through brainstorming through these games here, uh, those are some of the things I do like from Chicago's uh, side of things in this game too. So uh, I, I'm going to look to play Rashad White under again. I, I know that this Bears defense was absolutely terrible in week one against Aaron Jones, but A.J. Dillon didn't really do anything against them. I think it's more Aaron Jones as an individual talent. And we saw Rashad White struggle. He's just struggled a lot with efficiency, man. Like I, I don't know if he just turns out he just might be more of a pass catching specialist type of back. I don't know if he, I don't know if he can get to fifty five and a half yards on the ground. So I would either look to under fifty five and a half rushing yards or under the combined seventy six and a half rushing receiving. We hit both of those last week uh, in that matchup against Minnesota. And look at what DeAndre Swift tonight's doing to the Vikings. He's got like one hundred seventy five yards as we're talking right now. So uh, if Rashad White couldn't could barely get thirty yards against the Vikings in Week One, and we see what Swift and the Eagles are doing, I have a hard time seeing them do anything against Chicago, even though on paper it's a soft matchup. So that's one of the main places I'm going to look in this game as well. All right. Well, I hope you're wrong there, Chris, because I had end up I had Dobbins. He's out, and I ended up having to put White in there. So kind of hoping you're wrong with him. Obviously, I I need a running back to perform this week for me. So we'll see. Let's go and let's jump to our next game here. We got the Colts at the Texans. Texans right now, I think that – are the Texans favored in this game or are they getting points? Minus one and a half and 39. I don't know. I'll let you go ahead first with this one, Chris. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I thought that – I was actually really surprised last week of the value that we got on Anthony Richardson to score a touchdown. I, I believe that it was like plus 175. Uh, I'm not seeing anything for the anytime touchdowns right now in this game because we're still waiting on some injury news to trickle in. But I, I think that that's another viable play if we're seeing somewhere maybe down to around uh, plus 150. I, I think he's going to be their main goal line back pretty much all year in this offense and maybe look to Zach Moss. He's been practicing in full all week too. So those are some of the things I'm going to look at for the Colts uh, when it comes to uh, the Texans on the other side, I was really impressed with my guy, Nico Collins. And I, I think that he's, he, tr- he showed that he, the rapport, the reports of having the, that rapport and chemistry between him and CJ Stroud in the preseason was no fluke. We saw 11 targets. We saw a team lead in catches and receiving yards in week one. And that was against uh, a Ravens defense to where I, I, I don't see why he can't do that against the Colts who gave up a ton of passing yards to the Jaguars in week one. So Nico Collins, to me, I'll absolutely look to play over 48 and a half receiving yards. I think that's a good number. Anything below 50 for a wide receiver one on a team that could pass a lot in this game. And then I'll also look to his receptions. We hit his receptions over three and a half. I I would love to get that number again, even if it's just a little bit over. We'll see on that. If it's four and a half, it might be a pass for me. But I think 48 and a half, three and a half catches, like those are two numbers I would gladly play over for a guy like Nico Collins, who's really going to be the alpha receiver uh, in this offense in 2023. Yeah, I like me some Nico Collins. I was high on him coming into the year. I uh, actually picked him up in a lot of my drafts, so I wouldn't be surprised if he has a pretty good game here. I kind of like Damian Pierce, though, to be honest with you, Chris. I like him over 55 and a half rushing yards. If you look at what Devin Singletary did last week, uh, just 2.1 yards per carry. He had seven touches. P. 
Pierce had 11 touches, but at least he ended up with, I mean, he had a, a more, far more yards, three and a half yards per carry. Um, I mean, it was kind of like a past first offense last week, right? I mean, the fact that they were down, I think Houston probably ends up, you know, having a little bit better of a game here. I mean, they actually looked half decent after the first quarter of that game. They looked far better in the second, third, fourth quarter against Baltimore. Uh, I think they're going to go ahead and keep this game much, much closer. Obviously, the line's only one and a half. So I think Pierce is going to be um, relied upon to go ahead and, and use his legs as much as possible. And don't put Stroud, you know, in a situation to go ahead and throw the game away. Just go ahead and manage it. You know, you're, you're still a rookie. You're learning. Go out there and manage the game and, and, you know, lean on your horses like a Nico Collins, like, you know, Damian Pierce. So I'm going to do that. I think that he has a pretty good chance to have a pretty big game. So that's really all I like for that one. Let's go ahead and let's jump over to San Francisco. They'll be on the road here in L.A. Facing the Rams. Rams, big upset last week. Did not see that coming. Um, I like Seattle quite a bit. Uh, that was one of, uh, one of the games that absolutely pissed off, you know, me for the entire weekend. But anyway, San Francisco going to be minus 8.5. We have a total of 44. Chris, I like Brock Purdy over 228 passing yards. I gave this out earlier in the week at 222.5. I think that they let him throw. They did that last week, right? I mean, they were playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh ended up getting, I mean, they absolutely got bombed in that game. But San Fran didn't need to let Brock Purdy go out there and throw the ball 30 times in that game, but they did. I mean, they let him go ahead and throw. I think that they want to make sure that he's up to speed. I mean, he was coming off of a pretty nasty uh, injury there, had to go ahead and have surgery. They want to see if he can go ahead and throw the football. Clearly, he looked pretty good last week, but I think they give him another week against a team that uh, is probably going to be far more competitive than the Steelers were last week. So I think he's going to actually need to throw in this game. And I think you can throw on the Rams. My ratings have the Rams secondary as like one of the worst in the league. So I think Purdy has a pretty big week here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play him over the 228 and a half passing yards. That's all I got for that game. What do you got? Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I actually, I did my uh, post-gazette fantasy football show uh, with our guy, Tony Squares and my quarterback sleeper of the week was Brock Purdy. I've got him inside my top 12 this week. I, I love the matchup. We saw what he did. I mean, the, the like you said, it was a, such a blowout against the Steelers that the Niners didn't even have to throw the ball in the second half. And, and Brock Purdy was still a top 10 quarterback in fantasy points for the week. So, I mean, look at the – I mean, do, does any quarterback have better weapons all around than Brock Purdy does? And, and, again, like this isn't a matchup that we're afraid of here other than Aaron Donald on the other side. I, I, I do agree with you also that these teams are going to push each other. You know, I trust Sean McVay calling the plays in Los Angeles. You know, I, I trust uh, Kyle Shanahan calling the plays here in San Francisco. So, yeah, I really like uh, – I like Purdy overs pretty much all across the board. Uh, passing attempts, I like the over on yards, uh, the touchdown passes as well. We didn't even see Debo or Kittle get involved in that department. It was just Ayuk with those two touchdown grabs. So, And, and I think also that Brandon Ayuk is, is not still not getting the credit he deserves for being – the number one receiver, you know, as talented as Debo is, he's kind of a hybrid, you know, plays a little running back, plays a little receiver, a lot of the gadgety stuff in this offense. Ayuk's a pure outside number one receiver who can play all over the field, run him in the slot, whatever you want to do. And Kyle Shanahan's taking advantage of it. So I would even look again to play Ayuk over the 57 and a half. If Ayuk becomes the player that he was drafted to be, like he's a guy in the future, we could see him lined weekly in the 70s. And I, and I think that that's only – only a matter of time until we see that happen. Uh, uh, he was one of my breakout players coming into the year. The only question was with the crowded target volume, would that affect his consistency? But I think he's going to pop off more than not throughout the season. So I'll, I'll look to Ayuk to continue uh, the receiving action uh, and kind of and also kind of spread it around. I think Kittle 
you know, could get over easily over 38 and a half, Debo over 45 and a half. I, I just think these numbers are too low, especially since the total is sitting here still at at least 45 points, which is pretty respectable too. All right, good stuff on that game there, Chris. You know what I think? Maybe it's a little premature, but if they were ever going to do a 30 to 30 on a San Francisco 49er guy, maybe you do it on a guy like Ayuk. I mean, he was clearly in the doghouse, Chris, for how long? Like his career almost could have fizzled away, right? Yeah. I mean, that guy completely turned everything around. He, he, he sat there and dealt with it like a man. Like I think if you look at like a professional football player um, throughout his career and a guy that it could have fell apart to a guy that it probably makes the Pro Bowl this year, like I think he has that type of a year. Um, I think IU might be a pretty good candidate for like a, you know, a team 30 for 30. But anyway, I was just thinking, you know, give that guy some props because it's not easy to go ahead and, and get put in a doghouse like that and have the season that he ended up having. Not too long ago. Let's go and let's jump over here to the Giants at Arizona. Uh, current line in this game right now, Giants minus four, total 40. Here's a crazy one, Chris. Giants defense score touchdown plus 550. <laughs> um, these teams that are bad, like absolutely bad, terrible, defensively other teams are going to score on them. Um, I think Arizona is going to show up this week and, and show you why they're you know the worst team in the league and, and all the mistakes that they're going to make are going to lead to a Giants touchdown. That's just the way that I feel. I think the Giants are going to be flipping mad after last week. Team got shut out defensively. They did nothing. They allowed 40 points. They're going to be like a bunch of animals in this game. And Arizona, they just they don't have the horses to hang here with with New York, I don't think. And I could see Arizona, you know, inflicting a lot of self, uh, self-inflicted damage here on themselves. So even though it's a little bit crazy pick, this is not a pick that I normally would recommend. But I think when you're going up against a team that is supposed to kind of self-destruct in a way, and the fact that they didn't last week, there might actually be a little bit of value in this. But um, I don't want to say Arizona kept that game close last week. I actually think the commanders kept it close for Arizona. But I don't give them much of a chance this week to get through this game kind of unscathed. So I'll do that, Chris. Crazy one there. Giants touchdown plus 550. That's all I got for that game. Yeah, I'm going to actually go to the head-to-head player prop market, and we actually went 3-0 and uh, tonight. I, I bet Hawkinson uh, more targets than Goddard, more receiving yards than Goddard, more receptions than Goddard. They all got there in the end, so very happy about that. Reporting live here from Thursday Night Football, and uh, shout-out my guy DeAndre Swift again. <laughs> got to say it again, man. Great game from him tonight, but head-to-head market again in this game, which is something I, I, I enjoyed playing a lot last year on DraftKings. Uh, I actually really like Daniel Jones minus 0.5 touchdowns over Josh Dobbs. That means basically Daniel Jones have one more touchdown than Dobbs. That's at plus 135. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be so hard for the Cardinals to find the end zone in the passing game in this in this matchup, in my opinion. And Daniel Jones, it's a get-right game for him. It's a get-right game for Dayball. Uh, it's just a get-right game for this franchise. I think they go on the road, no pressure of the home crowd in New York and they take care of business here. And I could see Jones slinging it around the field for multiple touchdowns, getting some of his new guys involved like Darren Waller, uh, Paris Campbell. You know, he's got his, his guys coming back from last year in Slayton. We might see Wondell Robinson come back in this game. So regardless of who's out there, I, I expect Daniel Jones to, to, even though Barkley I think will get his too, I expect Daniel Jones to have a huge bounce back game against a very beatable secondary. So that's one head-to-head player prop I, I like a lot for this game. All right, I don't mind that one myself. Let's go. Let's jump into the Jets at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus nine and a half, total 38 and a half. Uh, unfortunate, you know, for the Jets end up losing Aaron Rodgers. So 
Um, that is what it is. But I'm going to go ahead, Chris, and I'm going to play Zach Wilson interception prop. No, at plus 165. They're going to handle him with kid gloves. Like after he ends up going in last week out of nowhere, stepped into that situation, and everybody was probably, at least for a short amount of time, right, before they actually ended up uh, leaving themselves in the game, they were probably just down, down and out for a little bit. But I think the fact that they ended up winning that game last week, the last thing you want to do is have Wilson come into this game and throw this game away, at least at a minimum, keep it close. So I think the Jets are going to run a lot. I would look at all the Brees Hall stuff over. I think that that's probably a, a pretty good way to look. But I think that they – they, they try to treat Wilson here with kid gloves. It's nothing that it's going to be anything too hard. A lot of throws that are running back, uh, a lot of throws probably like in the slot. I don't see a lot of deep throws here for Wilson. It's like a lot of people give him a bad rap. Like this dude gets sacked a lot. He's not very accurate, but it's not like he throws a ton of interceptions. If you go through and you look at his game log throughout his career, um, he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions. He's probably like um, I would say half the games he, he didn't throw an interception. So, I mean, that's just something to, to look at. But it's it's plus 165. But I think it's more of the way that the coaches treat him. It's not like let's go out there and let her rip. Because if he lets it rip and he ends up throwing two or three picks in this game and they end up losing, then it turns out to, you know, all the crazy stuff we're seeing on social media. It's like, oh, is Philip Rivers available? It's like, what are you people thinking? Like, really? Like, Philip Rivers, dude? Like, he's working on, like, his 12th kid right now. The guy's retired. Like, He's not coming out of retirement, and none of these other bums that are that are out there either are. Zach Wilson, I think, me personally, gives the Jets the best chance to win. But let's not – even if they lose this game, they're nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. I don't think anybody's going to hold it against him. As long as he does not lose this game, I think Wilson will be okay going forward and the Jets fan base will be behind him. So I think the Jets put him in a situation to not make as many mistakes maybe as he has made in the past. So I'll play him. I don't think anybody's going to like this. Zach Wilson and not throw an interception plus 165. That's all I got for that one so far. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. Prop, props are limited uh, in this game right now. Again, we're recording here Thursday night. But I, 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 I'm I, going to take the same prop I took last game, Dak Prescott. Now you got to pay a little juice on this one so it will balance out with the Daniel Jones. But Dak Prescott to have one more touchdown than Zach Wilson uh, through the air. I like that one, minus 0.5 over Zach Wilson. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be a heavy dose of Brees Hall with some Dalvin Cook mixed in. The, the Jets got to win this. They got to keep the ball on the ground, handle it with kid gloves, like you said, uh, because this Dallas defense is legit. Uh, th- these might be the two of the top three or four defense in the entire league facing off against each other. Uh, and I actually think there could be some value here, you know, Let's not put all those interceptions right on uh, on Josh Allen in Week One, Sleepy. I think Dak Prescott to throw an interception at plus one fourteen uh, could be a valuable play in this game with just how talented that Jets secondary is. And I think that that the Cowboys will take their spots. I don't think even if the Cowboys are winning this game comfortably early for some reason, I don't think they want to go two straight games with like basically not throwing the ball at all. I mean, they literally did not throw the ball at all in Week One in that forty to zero win over the Giants. So I, I think I agree in that fact that like. You got to pay minus two fifteen for Zach Wilson to throw an INT. I certainly wouldn't uh, play that, but I think plus one fourteen for Dak to do it is not bad. And I do like Dak to get. I think Zach Wilson will really struggle to find the end zone himself. So I'll just take Dak to have one more touchdown than him uh, in this game overall. And I do like Brees Hall a lot. Uh, you can run on the Cowboys. Uh, game script is the main concern here, but I've got Brees Hall ranked inside my top ten right now. The last I checked, the industry has him around RB twenty two in the 20s range. So I'm, I'm very high on Brees Hall, my fantasy rankings this year. And I don't think he's 100%, but man, like uh, I, even like a 75, 80% Brees Hall, 
still might be like a top five back in this league. So I'm definitely all about some Brees Hall this weekend in DFS too. Yeah, he looked good last week. If they don't, if they allow Wilson to just go out there and sling it all over, and they just don't use Brees Hall, up, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. I do like the Dak interception prop there, Chris. Over, I mean, I played him over for twelve and a half on the year. Uh, obviously, he didn't have one last week. I mean, there was really to throw, but these are the teams that I expect him to go ahead and throw picks for. So I'm in line with you there. Let's go and let's jump over to our final game here. We got the Commanders at the Broncos. Current line in this one right now, Denver minus three and a half. We have a total of 39. Chris, I, I was kind of thinking about this and I was looking at it and I'm like, do I want to mess with Robinson here? Um, I feel like that could be a potential square play, but it could easily be the right play. So I ended up stumbling on one of the kicker props here. And I actually like Joey Sly over one and a half field goals. And here's why. I'm not convinced that Washington continuously move the ball down the field and get in the end zone. I think they will be able to against Denver. Denver's defense uh, last week against the Raiders wasn't anything special. But sometimes when you get these kickers that, you know, go ahead and make 40, 50 yarders, when you let them on a field like such as like Denver, um, the coach actually will be like, yeah, go out there and go get that 54-yard field goal. Go get us points because we don't want to turn the ball over on the road. And it's like we need to get something out of some of these drives. So I was looking at that. That's one that I was considering. But I'm kind of on the fence right now with this one. I kind of want to see what – um. What what wide receivers for the Broncos come out? I didn't see any uh, before when I was checking. So right now, maybe Joey Sly, and that's probably about it. But I'm not even convinced that that's even right. But I don't know. That's where I'm at for that game. It's kind of just on the fence with it overall right now. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I, I was uh, – I thought the commanders would throw the ball a little better against Arizona in week one. So I was a little concerning to me to see how ba- how badly that they're – uh, passing game struggled in week one, even though McLaurin was back. He doesn't look healthy at the same time. I will say that uh, when, when I look at this game, you know, on the road for the commanders and Sam Howell's, you know, third ever career start in, in, in just his second season here in the NFL, I'm a little worried about that too. And the Broncos, again, they're at home for the second straight week. They're going to look to rebound and get to one and one. And they, they did hold Jimmy Garoppolo to 200 passing yards, even in a loss. So I, I think that to me, Sam Howell, uh, this is a pretty good Denver Broncos secondary. It's probably the biggest strength on their entire team on both sides of the ball. So uh, Howell struggled just to get to 200 yards in a competitive game with Arizona. Now he's on the road at a motivated Denver team with much more talent. I'm taking under on Sam Howell passing yards. I had him under last week too. Uh, I think he'll scramble a little more, but I, I would rather just play the under passing yards around 199 and a half. Uh, under 200 and a half there for Howell, uh, wherever you can find it right now. Shop around for that one. You might find like a 205 out there or something like that. I'm also going to look actually under on Brian Robinson in this game, Sleepy. I, you know, he he struggled just to yeah, – like, look, the usage was great. Like he's the clear starter. Gibson fumbled. He's in the doghouse, whatever. That, that's that, It is what it is. We know that. But even with like a full-time role against this Cardinals defense, Brian Robinson still only got the 59 rushing yards. And now again, same situation on the road, tough defense. Josh Jacobs barely got into the sixties, even with a workhorse role against Denver in week one. So I, I think that I could only look under for this Washington offense. This just might be one of those, one of those teams that just really struggles all year long. Even if Sal, Sam Howell does have some bright spots every now and again and and honestly sleepy I, I gotta wonder if McCorn is even healthy at all right now uh initial reports out of camp when he got that injury was that he was gonna miss possibly like a month and all of a sudden he was like miraculously back in the field in week one 
But when you look at the usage overall, like Terry McLaurin, like the McLaurin that we know, one of the more talented receivers in the game, he was barely targeted. You know, four targets, two catches, 31 yards, where Logan Thomas had eight, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, all more targets than McLaurin. That to me shows me that McLaurin's not fully healthy. And with Patrick Sertan on the other side, I think I, I as much as I hate to do it because I'm a fan of his, I think I got to look under Terry McLaurin, 46 and a half receiving yards, even though it's a pretty low number already as it is. Yeah, I don't I don't want to argue with you with that. I think until this off, I mean, if you go back to last week, you would have expected them to look far better. And it's not only that they, they, you can't even say they looked average, like they actually looked bad. So um, asking that that offense to do much of anything is is asking a lot. But I, I'm with you. I kind of would lean maybe a little bit towards Dotson. I think that I think he does he eventually become the number one, Chris, even if McLaurin's healthy. Like, is that like the go to guy, you think? I, I think that there's a chance for him to be right up there with McLaurin. Absolutely. Dot, Dotson's a very talented player and he was the wide receiver one in week one. So he has more experience with Hal, like dating back to Hal's time as a backup last season. You know, we know that backups have more experience in practice with the rookies over the course of a year. So I, and then plus McLaurin was hurt. So he has more preseason experience. So I believe that I think that Dotson should be lined higher than McLaurin, but McLaurin's line is five yards higher. So I, I could only look over for Dotson and I could only look under for McLaurin. And, and one thing actually that I'm surprised I'm seeing this, to be honest, is that uh, Jerry Judy, I believe, is going to play. All, all reports is he's been practicing in full all week, and Cortland Sutton is still lined at 52 and a half. So I expect Marvin Mims to be a little more involved. Even though Dulcich w- was out, uh, he wasn't playing much of a role in the passing game either as it was. So the Broncos can win this game with their defense. They can win it uh, just just playing straight up running the ball with Javante Williams. Samaje Pirine looked really good in a complimentary role in week one too. So I, I think I, I got to look under for Cortland Sutton. He's an aging player has dealt with a lot of injuries. Now he might be the you know second target in a run first offense here. And even as the number one option in, in week one last week, uh, he really struggled in terms of overall production. He wasn't even able, even against a pretty subpar Raiders secondary Sutton was only able to get 32 yards on four targets. So I, I, I'd give me the under on, 50, I don't understand how that line's in the 50s. I, that, that line should be somewhere in the low 40s, in my opinion. All right. Well, there you guys go. We went through all the games there on Sunday. Uh, excellent job there from Chris. If you guys are looking for more stuff from Chris and I, uh, maybe for the Sunday or Monday night games, make sure you guys check out our Twitter accounts at SleepyJ underscore pregame and at MadJournalist. Guys, if you have not been to TheBettingPredators.com, make sure you guys go over there. Check out the website. Chris has all his articles up, newsletters there. Uh, you have guys can get instant access to our free Discord channel. If you guys are looking for premium access, you guys can do that there at thebettingpredators.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL week number two. Enjoy the games.